Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we have gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. We give glad tidings. Um, we celebrate. We proclaim great news of good joy. Because on this night, we remember, we remember that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It will not overcome it. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Jerron's lighting this candle right now to signify that Jesus, the light of the world, he has come. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah, he spoke of Jesus, saying, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. From Isaiah. So though this world, it's full of trouble, 
It's full of sorrow. It's full of tears. Even so, even though we live in a broken, fallen world, we can rejoice. We can be glad. God has sent salvation. God has sent a king who will make all things new, who will make things right. So rejoice, be glad, be joyful in the Lord. Let's stand and let's pray. Oh God, um, you have caused this holy night to shine with the brightness of your holy light, Lord God. We magnify you, we glorify you, Lord. May we step into and just in one sense just see the mystery and the awe of what you've done, Lord God. You are so great. Thank you for coming in the flesh to dwell amongst people and to reconcile us to yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing out. Um, O come, let us adore him. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her first, firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there is no place for them in the inn. Please be seated. Luke's gospel comes again and again with a call to response, a call to act upon what we've heard. And so tonight, as we, this afternoon, tonight, whatever you call it, as we go through this, this, this uh, history, this account, this story of the coming of the king, Keep in your mind that we're being told these things. These are things that are written for us that we would respond to the word of God. So we see here that there's a, a power in place. And Luke's first chapter that we went through this morning, uh, we went through much of it this morning. Um, we, we see that God is moving in the world. God has taken the initiative to save. God has taken the initiative to bring his son to the world. Uh, he's the sovereign one. He's in control. He's the one who moves in ways we don't expect. He can do anything. He can go anywhere. He can accomplish anything he wants. So we come to chapter 2 of Luke, and we see that there's another power. Uh, oftentimes in, in Luke's gospel, there's two worlds at play. The world of Caesar Augustus, Gaius Octavius, the emperor of Rome. Uh, he had a reign that was very uh, impressive. He brought the Roman world together. Roman was, Rome was a republic uh, until it wasn't. As things fell apart, as there was wars, as there was, there was battles, uh, Octavius was the first one who, uh, first emperor of the Roman Empire. He brought a lot of things together. He, he was praised uh, amongst all the conquered people, all the, all the nations that he brought together. He was called Lord. He was called Savior. He was called Divine. And so from on high, so to speak, from Rome, he gives a decree. Uh, the thing that is left to God in, in our worldview, in our place, is that God gives decrees. God knows what he's doing. God is the sovereign one. And, and yet we live in a world where sometimes there are governments, sometimes there are rulers, whether it be presidents or dictators or uh, senates or representatives, whatever the different types of governments around the world, sometimes they come across as, for better or worse, God. I'm grateful to have a government. You know, Romans 13 tells us that we should look upon government as God's servant. God is the one who's instituted governments. God's the one who's called us to submit to government to submit to governing authorities um, unless they tell us to do something that is ungodly or something that is unrighteous. Uh, I'm thankful for governments that someone has the authority, someone has the place to tell us which side of the road to drive on. Uh, government plays a massive role, an important role in our well-being. 
and are well living. But here we have this, uh, this king, this emperor, this so-called lord giving decrees, and it affects thousands and ten, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. Their routines, their farming, their raising of children, their businesses, their industry, all, all thrown into chaos. Uh, Caesar, uh, we wonder what, what the deal is with a registration, with a census. Uh, when governments do censuses, they're, they're usually with the, the mindset of, of establishing taxation. How many people do we have in our realm? How many people do we have in our state? How many people do we have in our county uh, that are on the rolls that we can tax? Uh, sometimes it comes in different ways. Uh, maybe Caesar had the idea of uh, maybe he needed to know how many soldiers he had in his realm. In that province, in that province, how many men can we count that can go to war on our behalf? Uh, some people think that the reason for the census, the reason for bringing together people was that uh, Rome's, uh, the imperial cult could be lifted up. The state religion, the imperial cult, maybe at all these census taking places, maybe the people were, were challenged or they were questioned about their allegiance to Rome. Do you worship the Roman gods? Do you give allegiance to the emperor? Uh, there could be various reasons, but nevertheless, the decree went out. Uh, the two worlds uh, we've seen in our exposition of the text, our understanding of the text so far uh, this morning, we saw that God was the one who gave decrees. God was the one who sent angels. God was the one in charge of a government. There's this world we can see, and then that there's the spiritual world who's in charge. And what happens when the decrees clash? Who's the power? Who's the authority? Who's the one in might? Well, uh, Joseph and Mary, they had, been, they had been touched by God. They had been called upon by God. They had been commanded by God to do certain things. And one of the, one of the most incredible things that has ever happened in world's history, maybe the most incredible thing that's ever happened, was a miraculous conception. God, by his power, he made Mary pregnant. The, the echo, so to speak, of Genesis, the overshadowing of the waters by the Holy Spirit, and God spoke, and there was creation. God spoke over Mary, and she was with child. Uh, we see the power of God. We see the authority of God. But here, Joseph and Mary, Mary and Joseph, she's with child now. And the decree comes, and Joseph must decide what he's going to do. And he goes in obedience to the Caesar's decree. Uh, the way it played out probably was Caesar sent it from on high. Then the governors of the provinces, they implemented it. And then it comes down to someone like King Herod, Herod the Great, where he decides how it's going to happen. So maybe in other places, they didn't go to their ancestral homes. Maybe they didn't go to their hometown. But in, in, the, in, in, in Israel, in the realm of these provinces, in the realm of this place, they did, and so Joseph has to go to Bethlehem. Uh, Joseph and Mary have been up in Nazareth in the northern part of the province of Syria back then as it was, uh, what we call Galilee, biblically. They had to move uh, Joseph to go to Bethlehem. It's 60, 70 miles coming south. The Bible says he went up because in the hill country of Judea around Jerusalem, Bethlehem is about five miles south, uh, southwest of, of uh, Jerusalem. 
So they traveled there, and uh, they, they went to Bethlehem at the command of the king. And you might say, well, uh, and we, aren't we under the government? Aren't we under powers and authorities? Aren't, aren't we being controlled? Uh, is God really in control? Is God really in power? Yes, he is. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that is unstated here, it doesn't go without notice for very long, but it's, it's unstated, is that God had made a decree long ago. Remember when the, the Magi, the wise men, came to Israel? They had seen the star in the east, and, and they saw that as, as the, the, the Christ star, as the, the child of Israel, the, the king to be born in Israel. And they came, and, and probably maybe a year or two after this event, they, they show up. Um, they've seen the sign, they, they came. But remember when they came to town, and, uh, and all the Herod, you know, the, the, this, this, this hubbub about, man, the Christ has been born, where is he? And everyone's freaking out because they know Herod's a murderer, and, and he's going to take blood if he can. And, and so he inquires of the, his wise men, the priests, the, the, the leaders of Israel, and where was he to be born? Lo and behold, some 700 years before this event, God had already decreed, God had already stated, God had already, through his prophet Micah, had said that he will be born in Israel, in the town of Bethlehem. You step back from that and you start looking at things. Governments make decrees. Governments have their plans. As we go into 2024, all the government agencies from local to county to state to federal all making their, their agendas and all making their financial plans and their military plans, their police plans. They're, they're all these things that local governments and state governments and federal governments have to do. Plans, 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 as if God wasn't in control. But realize, brothers and sisters, realize that in your life and my life, there is one ultimate authority. You see, God had decreed through Micah, uh, the, the word was... It's in Micah 5.2 if you're writing things down. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, is small. From you shall come forth for me. One is to be ruler in Israel. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Caesar was even born, before Caesar had the thought of ordering a census, God had already made it so, had already said beforehand, it's going to happen. And it happened so when we see Caesar, when we see governments, when we see circumstances come our way, and it seems like we're at the mercy of these things, we're not. God already decreed it, already God planned it, already put it into place, and Caesar was incorporated into the Lord's will. Maybe he didn't know about it, maybe he didn't understand it. How many things happen in our world today that, that we don't understand what's going on? We don't understand what's happening. We don't understand why it has to happen. Could it be that God has a plan that he's playing out? Could it be that he has a plan that he's executing even through emperors? Caesar's plans are incorporated into the plans of God. Caesar's plans are determined by the decrees of God. Sovereign God is in control, and he's in control of this little family. So Joseph and Mary, they, they make the trip down. And while they were there, it says in verse 6, the time came for her to give birth. Uh, the time came for her to give birth. We, we don't know how long they were there. 
I don't know, you know, if it's 60 or 70 miles, maybe it's a three-day journey if they've got a donkey. Maybe she made a lot of stops. We, we don't know the story, but we don't know how, if it was, a, maybe they're there a week, maybe they're there two weeks, maybe they're there a month. We're not sure. But in verse 6, we're meant to read into it, in the fullness of the days, in the fullness of time, when the time was ripe, when the time came for the Christ to be born. God is orchestrating the seasons and the years and the months and the days and even the hours. Sovereign God reigns and rules over all things. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger because there is no place for them in the inn. Uh, we have here some drama. Maybe you are so familiar with this text you don't see it or you don't grasp it. But don't you think that Mary and Joseph had some expectations? Uh, they had nine months to stew on all the things that God said uh, to Joseph. Uh, remember what, what God had said to him, that he's, he's name him Jesus. I command you to name him Jesus when he's born, because he's going to be the Savior of the world. He's going to save people from their sins. He's, he's the Messiah. The things that, that God had promised Mary and told Mary about, your son's going to be great. He's going to... He's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to have a reign that will be forever. He's the son of God, the Holy One, distinct, separate from all others, not just a normal king, but the king, the forever king. You, you think of nine months of stewing on that as, 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 you know, remember Mary went to see Elizabeth, her relative, and, and Mary said, man, the mother of my Lord. And some of the things that were said about Jesus uh, they, they're thinking about, man, he's the king, he's the Messiah, he's the one we've been praying for, he's the one promised from ancient times, and he's going to come. Do, do you think that they expected to find themselves, do you think you, that they expected to find themselves in a stable? Uh, we, we don't know how it happened. Uh, the, the word there for inn, it could be guest house. There's no place for them at the inn. Uh, Bethlehem probably had no commercial, uh, you know, hotels or, or five-star places to stay, nothing like that. The, the guest house, most of the, the housing was arranged uh, very simple, simple ways, not a lot of square footage in their housing. Uh, some of them were two-story with the stable down below and the guest house up above or the main dwelling place. <clears throat> Other houses were uh, the dwelling place, but then attached to the house were the stable. Um, they, they didn't use a lot of air freshener back then, I don't think. It was just normal. It was the air you breathed. It was the ambiance of the day. Uh, tradition, some traditions hold that Jesus was born in a cave. Maybe you've traveled to Bethlehem yourself and you've seen the place. But uh, they find themselves regardless. And what, what happened? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they left late. Maybe they didn't know there was, was going to be a ton of people there. Maybe they made a lot of stops in a way. Maybe, they, maybe they're feeling guilty. Like, maybe it's our fault. What's going on? Uh, or, or maybe their, their expectation was that, man, this is the king. We're going to be treated as royalty ourselves. We're, we're going to be placed in the, in the five-star, wherever that is, wherever the, the baby's born. Um, you know, did, did they know about the prophecy? Did they know about the uh, Bethlehem thing? Uh, we don't know. A lot of the Israelites didn't know, and we don't know Mary and Joseph where they, you know, it doesn't seem like they're illiterate, but they're, they're peasants, they're, they're impoverished people. Did they know about the prophecy? They, they end up in, in, in Bethlehem, and they end up in a, uh, you know, the laying in the hay that the animals have laid in. They hear the ba of sheep, 
I did that for the kids' sake. <laughs> the mooing of the lowing of cattle. They could smell the stench of the, the animals. And there's the king. There's the Messiah. There's the Lord. And they've got him in a feeding trough where the animals have slobbered and the animals have fed. And maybe they're, they're, they're thinking, uh, where, where's God in this? Uh, maybe, maybe the angels, maybe the angel Gabriel was supposed to make reservations and he blew it. Maybe there was a mistake happened. Maybe, how do we end up here? Um, maybe, maybe this, you know, God isn't as powerful as we thought. Diff- different things going through their minds. We, we, don't, we don't know what, what's going on, but they're, they're there. Uh, but don't you think that uh, as we've read through the text, maybe you, hopefully you've read through the, the biblical text, uh, uh, celebrating Advent and remembering what all God's done is fulfillment of promises. Um, certainly here we see the fulfillment of the promise to Mary, you will have a son. The fulfillment of the promise to Joseph, you will have a son. The fulfillment of promise in all the Old Testament, there will be a Messiah that comes. Um, but, but maybe there's, there's some angst here, there's some frustration, there's some worry that maybe Caesar is the one in charge. But th- don't you think in reading all of the, the stories and the accounts, the fulfillments, the, the promises, don't, don't you think this, this is intentional? Don't you think that this wasn't an accident? That God, in his sovereignty and his power, the one who predicted for centuries all these things coming together, all these threads, all this tapestry woven together, a fulfillment of prophecy, fulfillment of promise, don't you think that God brought Jesus here intentionally? And if he did, what is the message? Well, we see in different places, you know, Jesus talking about himself is, you know, he didn't stay a baby. Hopefully you realize Jesus didn't stay a baby. You realize that he did grow up. He did become to live a life of, of greatness. He did uh, go to a cross. He, he did die. He, he was buried. He was raised on the third day, resurrected from the dead. And you realize, I hope you understand, he didn't stay a baby. He's not just this baby Jesus that we worship, but he was ascended to heaven. Now he's the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. The name above all names. But, but Jesus said in various places things like this, like, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, he didn't come, as it were, choosing majesty. He didn't come to, to grasp equality with God from people. He came to meet our needs. He came to minister to us. And, and so isn't it, isn't it fascinating? Isn't it incredible? Isn't it awesome that when he came, he didn't go to the five-star. He didn't go to the palaces. He didn't invite all the world leaders to come visit, but he came to the lowest of the low. He came to, to a stable to establish his purpose for coming. It wasn't to glorify himself in his first coming. It wasn't to exalt himself. It wasn't to make much of himself and get the applause of Herod's or the Quiriniuses or the Caesars. 
God intentionally brought him to a place of humility and meekness, the mildness of the poetry, because he was coming for us. He didn't want us to think that he wasn't coming for us, us common people. He didn't want us to think that he, he, he wasn't coming for the uneducated or the weak. He didn't want us to think that anyone was left out. He came to the lowest place. How many people around the world today, how many hundreds of millions of people are living a destitute life, a hand-to-mouth existence? They don't have any property, uh, refugees, or, or those who are just drifting through life. He came as one of those. Mary and Joseph, as it were, without a place to lay their head, without a place to call home at this moment, he came to be one of those to identify with us, to relate with us, to be our Savior. The governments of the world, they have their decrees, but the government of God determines all, rules all. And Jesus, as the Lord of Lords, the Eternal One, He came with a statement. He came in humility. He came intentionally for people like you and I. So he started his life in obscurity, in nowhere, in nobodiness. And he lived his life to serve us, to save us. And so tonight we praise him. Tonight we exalt him. Tonight we glorify him for who he is and what he's done. We stand in the Lord's presence. Lord, uh, you kept your promises. Lord, you kept your word. Lord, you fulfilled your ways. The dozens and dozens of prophecies that have been fulfilled about your, your plans. Uh, this one, this, this night, this, this, this place, this time, when you came to earth, All praise to you, Lord. All glory to you. All honor to you. Your great condescension, your great coming down, your great leaving of heaven to come to earth for us. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for coming to those of us such as us that need you. We love you, Lord. We praise you this night. Amen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. 
a certain poor shepherd in fields as they lay in 
Gospel of Luke, verses 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You may be seated. 
So Mary and Joseph, they had the child in the hay. They had the, uh, the king of the world in that, that stinking place, that, that nowhere place. Uh, it's a lesson for us in some ways that uh, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth from Luke chapter 1, they were barren for all those decades. Uh, Elizabeth felt uh, under judgment from God, or maybe she felt shame or scorn because she couldn't have a baby, but they didn't know what God's plan was until it came about. And Mary and Joseph in the stable, maybe they're thinking, what is going on here? What's happening? They didn't know what God's plan was. They didn't know what God's intention was. But for us who come under circumstances, under under suffering, and, and we wonder what's happening to us, Lord, or, or maybe things going on in our life that we didn't plan or we didn't hope for, or we wouldn't worship, wish upon our worst enemies. Maybe we should take the same tact that God is in control, and I'm going to stay faithful through this to the very end because I don't know what his purposes are in this, but he's good. I trust him, and, and he loves me, and I love him, and I'm going to keep walking forward in faith. So anyway, Joseph and Mary are, are there, and, and uh, you know, we don't know all the details, how long they're in that place and how long the transition was. We, we do know that they stayed in Bethlehem um, when, the, when the Magi came for a season. They, they stayed there. They eventually went to Egypt. They went to Nazareth where they, they raised the child. But a lot of questions, the, the what's and the what for's and the why's came to their mind, I'm sure. But as that's going on, as they're living their life in faith, in hope, in love, uh, there were some shepherds in the fields. And it's just fascinating how the, the complexity of the great I am and how he becomes, as it were, the great nothing in the eyes of the world. And the angel goes to the shepherds. Around Bethlehem, around the hills of Judea, uh, the, the shepherds, and, and again, we don't know December 25th, uh, we don't know exactly when Jesus was born. We, the, in the medieval church, they picked out, out this day, December 25th, uh, to overcome a pagan holiday, to replace it with the worship of Jesus. So we don't know exactly when he was born, what hour, what morning or night. We don't know if it was cold out, we don't know if it was warm out. Uh, but that, that night, that time, that place, uh, life is going on, and there's peoples around, uh, the shepherds, the, the, again, the nobodies, the, the invisible people. Uh, the angel goes to them first with the news. What, what's, what's transpiring here? What's taking place in this, in this text, in, in this, this, uh, this angelic choir singing before shepherds? Nobody knows about the king being born. Nobody knows about the Lord of heaven coming to earth. Nobody understands what's taking place. And so it has to be announced. It has to be proclaimed. It has to be brought before the people of the world. And God starts with homeless men. Uh, shepherds, uh, if you grew up in Israel, uh, even though in history shepherds uh, were seen in a, in a valuable way, like all the Old Testament kings were called shepherds of Israel. Shepherds had some, there's some connotation of, of wisdom, of, of leadership in certain settings in Israel, but nobody grew up and said, hey, I can't wait to be a shepherd when I grow up. Uh, the, these were the invisible people, like the people that work overnight in convenience stores or the people that work 
in the warehouse that nobody sees, the people that are, are invisible to most of the world, they don't have a high social status. If you look around the world at the different caste systems, at the different uh, social uh, arrangements from the high class to the middle class to the low class, different countries have different shapes of that. Maybe there's a small low class, maybe a huge middle class, maybe a small upper class. Some are more hourglass shaped in terms of the demographics, how it plays out. Uh, the shepherds in Israel were at the bottom. They, uh, again, they, you know, weeks and weeks without bathing, uh, with unclean, in unclean settings, you know, you're dealing with death. They weren't welcome at some of the worship services at the temple. They were outcast in, in, in various uh, practical ways. Now, if you talk to people, oh, yeah, we, we care about the shepherds. But really, they were the ones that never got the Christmas gifts. They were the ones, so to speak, they were never, never the ones that got the attention. They never were appreciated for their work. And yet, what they did, you know, the hills around Jerusalem, the hills uh, around Bethlehem, uh, we don't know the, the timing of this exactly, but what, what, are they, what are they growing? What's their crop, you know, their flock? They're, they're raising the lambs that will be given uh, during Passover in sacrifice to God. They're providing an in, invaluable commodity to Israel by the gift of the, uh, the lambs, the sheep, the flocks that would be used to worship God. And the, the irony, or not the irony, but maybe, maybe the, the radical, uh, interesting, fascinating thing is Jesus is the lamb of the world. And, and here's these lamb raisers out there, and they're the first to hear about his coming about his arrival. Uh, they, they, they're out there in the fields, you know, and uh, I don't know what you do overnight when uh, perhaps uh, there's a collective uh, safe uh, place for their flocks. Maybe the different shepherds have come together. They, they don't want their flocks to be stolen or, or taken by four-legged animals or two-legged animals. And so they bring them into a protective enclosure. Maybe they, they share a space and and uh, it's, I don't know, it's the sand dunes, you know, I guess I, I've seen it over the years advertised, I haven't been out there, but dark night skies or no light pollution, these kind of things. Can you imagine in the hills, uh, in, in places there's no headlights, no, no TVs flickering, no street lamps, the darkness of the, that night? Um, and then suddenly, out of, out of nowhere, just like, just like in the temple with Zechariah, out of nowhere, here's an angel of God. Mary going about her business, maybe she's, I don't know, maybe she's sewing or maybe she's cutting up some food or whatever for the family, uh, her, her family, and the angel appears out of the blue, and here they come out of the blue, out of nowhere, uh, the, the, the one angel first. I don't know if it's Gabriel um, that appeared to Zechariah, appeared to Mary, it, it could be, it could be some, we don't know if, if he's a seraphim, a cherubim. An archangel, you know, the different designations of Gabriel. But he stands in the presence of God. He's in the presence of, of glory all the time. And he comes to earth and he comes in the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, the beauty, the wonder, the awe of light, of heaven. And uh, he brings it to, <laughs> to the shepherds of all people. Uh, it's, it's kind of a wild thing, like Old Testament in the temple of God, the tabernacle in the temple, the glory in the Holy of Holies above the mercy seat, the presence of God. As we get in the New Testament, we see it spreading. It's going different places. It's going to different people. And it eventually comes to the church where the, the church becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God within us. 
And, and one day, the glory of God will be in that new heaven, that new earth. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus. We're going to be there with him uh, in, in that temple forever. But here, here the, the, the angel comes, and, and he, <laughs> I, I don't know, I imagine them falling on their backsides, like, oh, just blown away, not expecting anything to happen like this. And, and the angel says, fear not. <laughs> Good thing to say. Said that to Zechariah, said that to Mary. You know, angels could be terrifying, uh, whatever species they are, or whatever classification of those legion of angels, terrifying uh, to suddenly come into the presence of God, as it were, the God's, God's holy light. Uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you, what? I bring you good news. He's not bringing bad news. He's not bringing judgment. He's not bringing the wrath of God. I bring you good news that's joyful, of great joy. And, and notice how the angel's uh, sentence ends. That will be for all the people. If you were in charge of the welcome party for Jesus, if you were in charge of or orchestrating the, uh, the arrival of Jesus' party, uh, you would stop, you'd probably start with the highfalutin people. You'd probably start, maybe I would too, start with the, the governors and the presidents and, and the, uh, the, the, the kings of the world. Uh, but the message starts to shepherds. And, and the, the angel says, hey, What's happening here, I'm going to tell you something, it's good news, and it's full of great joy, but it's for all the people. And is, isn't, it, isn't it clear that he starts with the lowest of the low? It's like starting with the, the baseline, with the bottom, with the, with the, the immigrants or the, the homeless or the refugees, people that, that are, uh, are out there that, that have no place in society. They aren't important in the eyes of the world. Made in the image of God, and God sees them as important, but starting with these people that are invisible, he says, basically he's saying, it's for you. I've got great news for you. And it's, it's something that's astoundingly joyful, something that's rejoiced, that you, you're invited to rejoice over. Uh, and, and he goes on, for unto you, the plural you, unto you, even unto you and you and you is the message. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, notice the terms here, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now Christ the Messiah, the anointed one. Uh, Caesar Augustus, Gaius Octavius, Guess what titles were used in his uh, praises? They called him the savior of the world. The emperor of Rome, with all of his titles and different uh, correspondences and different teachings about who he was, they praised him for being the savior of the world, for bringing about the empire of Rome from the ashes of the republic. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the savior of the world, they also called Caesar Lord. We praise you because you're Lord of all. And so this, these are political terms. These are, these are terms that are meant to be impactful. Uh, when Luke wrote his gospel, uh, the, the empire of Rome was uh, moving towards a time of, of uh, destroying Jerusalem. The empire of Rome was moving towards a time of, of taking down the nation of Israel. 
And, and so the, the, these, these terms mean something to the first readers. Caesar isn't the Lord. There's a different Lord. Caesar isn't the Savior. There's a different Savior. So the good news of great joy for all of you all. I'm sure that's how they talked, all y'all, in those days. Uh, this Savior, it's been born today. This child has come today. This child is here now. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing moment. He says uh, th there'll be a sign for you. If you want to go look, he's going to be in swaddling cloths. Uh, swaddling cloths, that's a strange thing for us. Uh, back in the day, the midwives would, uh, would wrap the babies in these cloths to bind their limbs. The idea was that they wouldn't break their limbs or they wouldn't scratch themselves. Some of you moms swaddle your kids still today. Um, there's some superstitions involved in some, some parts of the world with this that uh, they're kept safe from spirits or whatever, but that's not the understanding here. But laid in a manger, you, you can go look. And isn't that strange, the, 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 the paradox, the, 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 the strangeness of it? The Lord of the world is here, and he's lying in a stable in a feeding trough. And again, the, the, the thing is, is what's God saying in that? What's going on here? What's, what's, what's transpiring here? Again, the message is loud and clear. God isn't just interested in those with a big bank account. God isn't interested in those that have high education. God isn't just interested in those who have political status or have fame around the world. God is interested in redeeming the common man. He's become the every man so that the every man and the every woman could be saved. He's come to relate. He's come to initiate a relationship. He's come to bring about our salvation. And, and we, we, we see in this the, the angels come, and, and it's a great song. It's, it's one that's been played in different places, cathedrals or, or huts around the world again and again. Glory to God in the highest, the angelic choir. Uh, I don't know if they had training sessions in heaven. You know, like the different legions, they, they take this part and they take this part. I don't know if they, they practiced for 500 years before they came and sang, but it must have been glorious. The, the, the angelic choir sings, glory to God in the highest. And what, what are they singing? What are they saying? There should be glory to God around the world. There should be glory to God in the universe. There should be glory given to God because he's done an incredible thing. He left the realms of heaven. He left the realms of eternity. And he's come to save these people. He's come to make them part of his family, his forever family, his kingdom forever by his blood, by his death, by his sacrifice, by his atonement. He's come to make them his. Glory to God. The angels sing and it's like they're saying he should be glorified everywhere by everybody throughout the universe, throughout the cosmos. If there's other beings out there, they should glorify him too. For he has done an amazing thing coming to the earth, wrapped, bound, six or seven pounds of flesh, sacrificing himself for people who have sinned against him, for people who have rebelled against him, people who have hated him, People have rejected him. He's coming for them. And they say, the last sentence is very interesting to me. 
the last refrain of the song, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Elizabeth was favored. Uh, she said, why, do you, why is the favor upon me? Uh, Mary was favored. Uh, the angel gave her a nickname, oh, favored one. And now it's saying to those who have been favored, blessed by God upon the earth. It's like God's mercy has been poured upon all, uh, but there's some that come to faith, come to realize what God has done. They are graced by God. But notice it says, may God be given glory in the heaven, the song, and may there be peace upon the earth among men, among women. Do you see what's being preached here? Do you see what's being proclaimed here? Do you see what the hope is, what the promise is? Uh, the Messiah came, the Lord from heaven, the Son of God, the, the Holy One came. He came as Savior. Caesar's not the Savior. Governments aren't the Savior. There's people out there claiming that they can save you, rescue you, deliver you. Jesus was a teacher. He's a preacher. He was a miracle worker, but he was a deliverer, the deliverer, the Savior. He came from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. He came doing all that to redeem, to rescue, to save. And peace with God. Peace with God. Uh, the, the, the word there, shalom, to bring peace upon the earth. It, it's an incredible thing. When we think of peace from a worldly standpoint, what, what do you think of when you think of peace? Uh, the absence of conflict? Like right now around the world, people are praying uh, in secular settings and religious settings, the different, the different uh, religions around the world, may the wars end, may the wars come to an end, may there be peace upon the earth. We understand that. Uh, is peace just the absence of conflict? Some people, in, in English especially, we talk about peace being like, like, like I just want peace, man. I, I just want peace. I, I want this inner tranquility. I want to be free from strife and from anxiety, from stress. Uh, and so I want peace, man. But the peace that's being talked about here is a different. See, we, we think oftentimes that our conflicts, that our problems are just horizontal. In other words, maybe you have a family situation right now that needs to be reconciled. Maybe you have conflict in your family. Maybe you're dreading going to Christmas dinner because there's some conflict. Uh, God calls you to reconcile, to ask for forgiveness, to move closer to that person, to overcome that, that division. But that div those divisions on the horizontal level, we think those are our biggest problems. Lack of peace among peoples, lack of peace among nations, lack of peace among governors and, and kings, these kind of things. But that's not our biggest problem. Jesus came to save. He came to redeem the world. And he, he's going to bring peace. The wonderful counselor, the, the mighty God, the, the, heaven, the eternal father, he's going to bring peace upon. He's the prince of peace. He's going to bring peace upon the world. But it starts with the vertical relationship. Our biggest problem is not our horizontal brokenness, our divisions, our biggest problem is our division, separation from God. Our sins, our rebellions, our hatreds, our evils that we've done is to separate us from God. And the consequences, the wages, the outcomes of this is death, our death, our eternal separation from God, the judgment of God for our sins, against our sins, the wrath of God poured out upon our sins, the judgment of God that's coming upon the earth one day. That's our biggest problem. Do you see what's happening here? You see the angels praising God, glorifying God. What's transpiring? What's taking place? 
The Savior has come to save you. The Savior has come for all the people, all of us sinners, all of us needy people that can't reconcile ourselves to God, that can't bring ourselves close to God because we're sinful. The Savior has come to do what? To bring peace, to reconcile us to God, to get rid of the enmity, to get rid of the the wrath of God against our sins, to remove the the barrier. Uh, The angels praise God because this is God's initiative. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. He, He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we wouldn't have to. He sent Jesus to go to that place bearing our sins so that all of our sins could be paid for so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could be at peace, at one. The atonement, the at-one-ment of Christ that he accomplished as our mediator. It's a beautiful thing. He's come to save. You realize that means you too. I don't know, maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you've grown up uh, a fringe person, never understanding the gospel, But know this, that Jesus, there's been a Savior who's come. His name is Jesus the Christ. He's come to die in your place. He's come to live a righteous life in your place. So when you believe in him, when you trust in him, you receive the the justification of God. You're declared righteous in God's sight because you've let the sin bearer bear your sins. You've trusted in him, and he saved you for you and the angels are in awe because really God you came to die for that sinner Duran really you came from heaven to earth you made that great condescension that great coming down the great I am to the great nothing to go and die to relate to Duran to have a relationship with Duran to have uh, be the sacrifice for Duran the substitute for Duran really glory to God that the great one, the holy one, the eternal one, the infinite one, the, the holy one would love so much that he would do that so that even you and even myself could be reconciled at peace with God. Worship team, would you please come? Almighty God, We give you all praise and all honor and all glory tonight. We worship you as as the angels called out and and they they demanded that the rest of the heavenly beings cry out in praise and honor and glory to you. We join them tonight. When we think about it, when we understand it, when we, we see what you did, see what you accomplished, only you are worthy of worship. And we give it to you tonight. Blessing and honor and praise and glory be given to you, Jesus, for you are worthy. Father, Son, and Spirit, a holy trinity, we worship you, we celebrate you, we rejoice over you. We thank you tonight, this night that Christ was born. Praise you, Lord. Please stand. Angels we have heard. Angels we have heard. Of-
you sing these songs, let's not the words, uh, let the words pass us by. You know, there's such beautiful traditions around Christmas, but we also, we are worshiping the Lord God on this song. It says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. God himself came in the flesh and dwelt among us to bring salvation. Um, he came humbly. Let's sing out to him.
when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Please be seated. So what do you do after you see a choir of angels? What do you do after you have encountered the Almighty through his angels? What do you do after the Lord has spoken to you through his angels? Uh, the obvious thing is to go and see. Uh, God had given them through the angels a sign. Remember, he told them, hey, there's, there's something you should go see. The baby's in swaddling claws. He's lying in a manger. You'd think it'd be a no-brainer, but it's not. How many thousands of people, hundreds of thousands, how many millions of people have heard about Jesus their whole life? How many people have heard uh, about Jesus being Savior, about Jesus being Lord, and they've, ah, uh, don't have time for that? How many have heard the revelation of him dying for their sins, but they've never turned to the Savior and never trusted? How, how many people have never investigated? How many people have never looked into it more to see what God is doing through Jesus? God in his grace gave them a sign. If they would choose to believe, if they would choose to pursue, they had an avenue of approach. Uh, Zechariah, after he did not believe that God could open the womb of his wife, Elizabeth, God gave him a sign of, of silence for nine months. Mary, when she was given the promise of Jesus becoming her child, of a, a child being born to her without the benefit of a father, a human father, uh, when she believed, she was given a sign. She was told, hey, your, your, your relative Elizabeth, she's even pregnant. She's, she's in her sixth month. Go and see a sign. But how many people, like the shepherds, they've, they've, they've received some revelation. Even the night you've received revelation about who Jesus is and what he's come for and what he's accomplished. He's a savior. He's the Lord, and he's come for you. But, but there might be some people here who haven't been saved yet, who haven't trusted in Jesus yet, who haven't bowed the knee to Jesus, and they might say, ah, I don't want to look into it. And maybe it's been that way your whole life. It happens again and again and again. People don't go and look. They don't investigate. They don't, they don't look at the claims of Jesus. They don't look at his teachings. They don't hear his preaching. They, they, don't, they don't think they have time for him. And all the while, he's right there. God is only a prayer away. Jesus, his revelation, his truth, who he is, is, is right there if you just look and go and see, investigate, seek it out. But the shepherds aren't like that. They are acting upon what they've been given, and they're acting in faith. They actually do say, hey, let's go and see what has been told us this night. So they go down to Bethlehem with haste, the different tones, uh, the, the setting, uh, you see the, the, the setting of darkness and setting, and, and the light comes in the darkness. 
that happens uh, in, in a real physical way, in a, in a real emotional way, in a, a volitional way in people's lives again and again. They're in darkness. They're lost. I, I wish I had a Savior. I wish I had a Lord. I wish I had someone to forgive me of my sins. And then suddenly the light comes on and they see Jesus. They grasp Jesus. They understand why he's come and who he is. And they place their faith in him. Uh, they're, in the, they're out in the dark. They've seen the light. But now they're going to go investigate. They're going to go look. They're going to see what's been told them. And so they go with haste. There's an emotion there. There's a passion there. There's a zest there. Uh, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't found him yet, if you haven't trusted him yet, maybe your, tone, your, your attitude, your, 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 your way of looking at it should be, I'm going to investigate it if I have to stay up all night reading. I'm going to go seek him out. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to pray. Show me Jesus. Find me Jesus. I'm, I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to look into the matter more. And so it's, it's a great moment of a picture of people who are hungry for salvation, hungry for the truth, hungry to know God's ways. And so they, they go with haste, it says, and found Mary and Joseph. They found the baby lying in the manger. Uh, there's some people that, uh, when we lived in the Philippines for a season, I, I was amazed at all the people that it seemed like Everybody knew about the baby Jesus, but a lot of people didn't know about the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Lord Jesus. It's like they heard about the baby Jesus being born, and the, the Christmas is such a big deal in the Philippines. The little baby Jesus, there's these little statues of Jesus everywhere, these, these baby Jesuses, and people actually putting their faith in the baby Jesus. They didn't investigate, they didn't go further, they didn't look into the, the revelation of God. They didn't look into what God said about Jesus and what Jesus came for and what Jesus did on their behalf. They missed it. But these, these, these shepherds, it's, it's a great scene of them contemplating, of them looking. How long did they stay there? How long did they watch? How long did they, they watch the little baby, the king of the world as a baby? Did, did, maybe they didn't have a great vocabulary as shepherds. Maybe they didn't have uh, the words, but in their minds, you know, smart men. They could see things with the depth, and they, they ponder it, and they, they come to believe. <clears throat> they, they leave there, um, and, and the kinda, it's kind of mixed what's happening here. But what's saying here, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So Mary and Joseph are there. You know, the Magi aren't there yet. That's down the road a couple of years, maybe. Um, some of your nativity scenes need to be corrected because <laughs> the, the kings aren't there, the magi aren't there yet. But nevertheless, there's this, this picture of, of these, these guys, and, and they, they can't help themselves. They have to share what they've been told. They, they have to share with Mary and Joseph or whoever else is around what they've been told by the angels. And it doesn't tell us what they've been told because we've already been told what they've been told. That a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. We don't know if there's other parts to the angelic annunciation, the angelic announcement of, of the coming of the Christ, of the Lord, the Savior, but they told it to anyone they met. It's like the, the picture on the scene is if they saw someone over there, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Hey, you. <laughs> we don't know. It might be the middle of the night. Maybe there's a whole, not a whole lot of people wandering around Bethlehem. Maybe, maybe they, they got aggressive. I don't know, but it's like the, the report is, once they came to faith, once they came to believe, they couldn't restrain themselves. They couldn't hold themselves back. They had to share. 
And uh, sometimes we, we, get, we get anxious about this because, yeah, like if, if you've come to believe in Jesus Christ and you know he saved you, if you have this relationship with Christ, with the king of the world, the savior of the world, and, and you've been saved from your sins, man, if you, if, you, if you dwell in that, if you think about that, if you ponder it, man, it can't help but tell others. Like some of you got family members like I do that are lost and as we, as we share that, it's like, oh, man, you need to know this. You need to, you, you need to come to faith in the Savior so you can be saved. Uh, but sometimes we get stressed about that. Like, we have to, do I have to use all these big theological words? Do I have to use some creeds from the past and say all the things just right? Do I have to come up with some highfalutin kind of uh, $10 theological words that will encapsulate all these ideas? Uh, the shepherds didn't. All they did was repeat what they'd heard. And maybe to some of your family members, maybe to some of the people you're working with, maybe to some of the people that uh, you interact with that have come into your oikos, into your circle, maybe the, the people that you're running with you know, and you want to share the gospel with them, maybe you don't have to come up with some ingenious way to share the gospel. The shepherds didn't. Uh, the people that you're living with right now, the people that you're working with, they see the news and they see the brokenness in the world. Uh, I, I did a scan of kind of the internet today, the different, the we different websites and the different, all the different places that are talking about doom and gloom at the end of the world. On CNN, it said, like, scientists say that we're in the midst of a mass extinction, right? Uh, a, a technology site said, hey, AI is going to crush the world. AI is going to destroy everything if it's not regulated. You know, just all these happy, happy, joy, joy thoughts running everywhere. And over time, as we see the violence and we see the evil and we see the brokenness around the world, some of your friends and some of your people are starting to think, well, may, why couldn't God come and save the world? I wish someone would tell me that, that, that there's hope. I wish somebody would tell me that there's a, there's a future. And, and maybe all you have to say is, <clears throat> uh, there was this guy born in Bethlehem. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. You should... Look into him. You should turn to him for salvation like I have. Maybe that's the witness. Maybe that's the message. Maybe in your sins, in your brokenness, in your evil that you've committed, and you, you don't know how you're going to be saved. You don't know how you're going to be forgiven. Jesus is the Savior, and you trust in him. God will forgive you through Jesus' work on the cross. He will bring you into his family to all those who receive him, to all those who believe in his name, gives the right to become children of God. Maybe it's just as simple as that. The, the, the setting we're in right now, the, you know, the, the end of days, it's, it's palatable. It's, it's real in the world right now. And, and some of your people, maybe, maybe, maybe they're trying to self-medicate. They're drugging and drinking to avoid their pain or avoid the dealing with life. But there might be times when, when they come to you because they know you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're living for him. Maybe they're going to ask you, tell me about Jesus. And you can just say, he's the Savior. He saved me. He's the Lord of all. He came from heaven and earth to die on the cross for you, for your sins. For your, would you admit that you're a sinner? Would you admit that you need salvation? Place your faith in Jesus Christ. The angels uh, have left but the, the shepherds, they, they go and see, and they, they, they take advantage of the sign. They, yeah, they believe, and now they're sharing. Uh, and, and I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's the middle of the night in Bethlehem, and they, found, they, they don't have any more people to share with, so they go back to the hills. And what do they do? 
They witness and then they worship. It says, they went back praising God, glorifying God for all, for all that they'd seen and heard. Glorifying God and worshiping God. Uh, that's what we're called to do. All that we've heard, the amazing gospel story, the amazing gospel message that we've said again and again tonight, the Holy One, the Almighty, the Infinite One, the Creator of heaven and earth, He decided to come to earth as a human. He became a man taking on flesh without ceasing to be God. In the nature of God, in the nature of man, the one person of Jesus Christ, He came and He went to that cross to die for us, to save us from our sins. If we start thinking about that and pondering that, and Mary... Uh, Mary, I, I found it stunning that as, as she was listening to the shepherds, that she treasured these things up in her heart. It's like she had nine months to stew on all the things the angel told her. Uh, Joseph and Mary probably shared the stories of the angel Gabriel as he came and, and told them about what was going to happen, treasuring and pondering and, and ruminating over these things. And yet there's more to learn about Jesus there's more to pursue about Jesus. There's more to understand for the rest of our life uh, as we think about God, as we, as we are amazed by his acts on our behalf. The rest of our life should be lives of worship and glorifying. We can never plumb the depths of his infinity, of the grace of God, the wonder of God. We should continue to be worship Mary pondering, treasuring, that's us too. And so tonight we've gathered and we've sung songs of, of truth. We've rehearsed the story. We've made statements of doctrine. We've made statements of reality about Jesus. But may we never stop praising him, worshiping him, glorifying him. And it's not just with our lips in, in church with song. It's with our attitudes and we're, with our actions, with our lives. Couldn't everything that you do, you're doctoring, you're nursing, you're teaching, you're changing the diapers, you're digging of ditches, you're going to school, and a hundred other vocations. Couldn't you do that all to the glory of God in response to what God has done for you? May it be so. Worship team, please come. Lord God Almighty, um, Lord, we, we pray for those that we know in our, in our lives right now that are lost. We pray for those who are uh, under the weight of sin, under the burden of judgment. We ask, Lord, that they would come to know you. We ask, Lord, that they would come to trust in you, that they would confess their sins before you, that they would uh, realize that they can't save themselves that they need a Savior. We, we pray that they would turn to you and be saved, Lord God. You know the names of the people even in this room that haven't done that yet. We ask, Lord, by your grace, by your power, that you would awaken in them the understanding and the knowledge that they, that they need you, that you're their only hope. Uh, please, Lord, the, those family members that we love, the people in our community that we love that are still lost, we pray that, we pray that the light would come into their life that they would respond by saying yes to you and by bowing the knee to you and giving, their, giving themselves to you as, as, as their Lord. Trust you, Lord, and we love you.
be praised again and again by your church. As we sing more to our Lord, let's exalt him and praise him in song. Let's stand and sing. While shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. We sing, go till it on the mountain. Shepherds that feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. We sing gold till it on the mountain. Down in the lonely manger, our humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. We sing gold till it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Gold till it on the mountain that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is born. Amen. Our Savior is born. Let's continue to sing Joy to the World.
service this evening. Uh, we're going to light a candle. I think one of the major things about a candle lighting is, guys, you can go ahead and get started back there. You light a couple candles in the back. You light a couple candles up in the uh, balcony. And real quickly, that light spreads. It spreads fast. The multiplication factor is just amazing as it goes around. And, you know, folks, I'll tell you something. It's the most joyous news ever shared, as Deron was talking about here tonight. When that light is spreading, that could be us. We need to repeat the sounding joy. We need to let the people know that their only hope is Christ. If they don't have Christ, they don't have that hope. They don't have that peace. So as you watch the, the flame go around, as you see the candles being lit, and you see how that happens, you see that light being dispersed among the room, we can do that. We need to leave here tonight and repeat the sounding joy. We need to go tell it on the mountain, right? We need to let people know the Savior has come, and the salvation is found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So once we get these candles lit, we'll go ahead and together... We will sing Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright.
is shown in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Go out bearing the light of Christ in the world. Go out in the love of God. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.